Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Hello, I'm Sue Rose Minahan, founder and eclectic evolutionary astrologer, speaker, and consultant. And today is September 3. It's rather an unusual day in one way because all the planets just about are retrograde, except for two that are on a seesaw Mercury. No, not Mercury. Mercury is retrograde, but Venus. You have to always think about these retrogrades because that's what they mean. Let's review things. Whether you like it or not, it's time to look forward and backwards. And Venus, as of today, has been retrograde for weeks and is now all of August, as a matter of fact, and is now turning direct. At the same time, you... you um. Get this straight, Sue. Uranus is going retrograde. Yeah, not Jupiter, it's Uranus. And meaning, no, it is Jupiter. Enough of all this, because today we will be talking about a lot. But the point is, is that we have today, we're talking about a square, and it's between Venus and Uranus. So that's what's on my brain and it's revolutionary values. It's been sudden. There's lots of events. It's dynamic and it's alive. It puts us at the moment because we need to regroup out of perhaps strife, whether we expect it or not, what really matters in our heart? What are we desiring? Well, thank you very much. Right now we are ready for Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, founder of Talk Cosmos since 2018, collaborating weekly with guests where insightful conversations awaken consciousness for soul growth. I'm an eclectic modern evolutionary astrologer and consultant a workshop facilitator and conference speaker, a Dwarf Planet University graduate, a certified color energy life coach. I'm the Washington State Astrological Association lecture moderator, a member of Kepler Astrologer Toastmaster Club. I hold an AA degree, Associate of Fine Arts Music degree, and Certificate of Fine Arts in Jazz. I'm a writer, artist, musician, an ardent ethologist, a student of esoteric philosophies and life. And I'm Dr. Laura Todd, holding a PhD in human science. I'm a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with students and clients worldwide. As a counselor, writer, and educator, I love helping people recognize their inner strengths, take advantage of auspicious moments, and navigate times of challenge with greater ease. I firmly believe in supporting people of all ages to actualize their full potential. 
While I have many tools, techniques, and modalities from which I pull, my clients are the ones who implement and embody the insights and changes I have to offer. On my own podcast, Mythic Sky Storytime, I discuss astrology, mythology, and actualizing our full potential. And as the ancient hermetic code reveals, as below, so above, as above, so below. Hello and thank you. And we have today, hello, Laura. Hi. It's very good to always have you. And we have a wonderful guest. We invite a guest and I'm very pleased that Storm, Dr. Stormy Grace has agreed to share this, this, this topic with us about Venus and Uranus. Dr. Grace has a doctor of management and she's an evolutionary astrologer, but Stormy is a very successful business person that has a wonderful YouTube Astrology Academy at Stormy Grace with 85,000 subscribers and an entire vast video collection, many of them free and offers them to the public for the building a community that understands this wonderful art form of astrology. And along with that, Stormy has a podcast, and a Patreon. It's, and since 2014, Stormy's been a cons- consultant around the globe. And she's a faculty member of the Portland School of Astrology and a board member now at the Organization for Professional of Astrology and a member and an active one of AFAN, ESAR, and NCGR, which are acronyms for other really powerfully large astrological groups that if for those people that are thinking about astrology serve so many marvelous resources to really consider. And of course, besides the classes and all of this involvement, Dr. Beeston or Grace, I'm not sure which to call it, is a contributor to career astrologer astrology hub and midheaven magazine so thank you very much you're really welcome again you're participating with us today yes thank you for having me it's lovely to be back (laughs) this is good meanwhile for those people that do have youtube you can see the bios here and for those that are not seeing it and and listening you can always go to our website okay venus square uranus definitely these two tango not that often it's been for two years it's been happening because it's an 84 year cycle for uranus but uranus likes to do things on suddenly yes and so Sometimes I think it's innovations from the survival of the heart. I don't know what your thoughts are about this. Yeah. You want to start, Laura? Should I? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, so there's a couple of different things, right? So, because Uranus, right, is this 85, 84 year cycle, right? So, that it being in Taurus, right, it's been there since what, 2018 or so. So, it's been there mm-hmm. a while. 
but um that it and venus right is so its interaction with uranus is fairly regular right but it it's interacting in with venus being leo and uranus being in taurus is what's far less common right but it turns out that this year because of venus's cycle we get three exact alignments this year and venus being you know what we look at venus representing what we love and value what we need to feel secure in the world from a natal perspective um and collectively what you know what is valued what is considered beautiful it's the aesthetic experience of the world and then as she's interacting with uranus that is the in part the rebel the unconventional the breaking the mold energy right so we're in this space of that right they've talked there's been a lot of blogs talking about this venus uranus or venus being retrograde but i think it gets amplified with the square to uranus with the barbie movie coming out is very much mm. some of this energy of revolutionizing the feminine how are we perceiving beauty what does beauty really mean and all of that being part of what this whole summer has been because venus went retrograde july 22nd and she's just stationing right so she looks like she's not moving at all right now <laughs> and so we've all summer pretty much we've been in this space of revolutionizing value and beauty and redefining that both individually and collectively yeah absolutely like it's it's interesting to see it in this in that light as well and one of the things that i think a lot about with venus is also about how we receive with venus being a receptive planet pulling things to us and so it's like you know as they came together in this square i think venus you know is very i'll just yes please bring it this way and uranus is like yeah right what do you want like and that is a very direct mm -hmm. square question to a Venus energy because it's like I cannot help you get what you want or be in position for what you truly value if you're not clear on it. So I do feel like a lot of this cycle asked beyond just the revolutionary, but down into our homes. What is it that you want? What are you attracting? Are you clear on it at all? Because what you're telling the universe that you value is what it is bringing you. So if you don't like it, <laughs> you need to get clear on it. And the other thing with that is um, Uranus being that, you know, one of these outer planets that really is governing a lot of the collective body. I think challenging Venus in the square, it said, do you really want that? Do you really believe that? Or is that what someone mm. told you you wanted and believed, you know? And yeah. so it's, it's very interesting to see as they start. And one of the other things I was identifying is that I work a lot with the lunar phases. And so as these two will see it in the chart, but as they came together under their first square, it was during this um, gibbous phase of the moon, which how social can you get? You know, it's like, yeah, but why? That's like the, the, the why babies. <laughs> That's what I call the gibbous phase where you just need all the answers. It's like, if there's a question mark, we want to know about it, you know? So what a tough question for Venus to get asked. It's absolutely true. And it becomes so personal. Venus is personal. And the circumstances may or may not be, that's what I was thinking about the survival part. There's times when one is, un it's unexpected. And so therefore it's really a matter of priorities and that forces the issue. But on a long-term basis, 
I mean, long-term, day by day by day, you know, getting through everything is this constant process. I know I've been experiencing it too, of really asking the deep question of, and as you said, whose voice? Because here Venus rules both Taurus and Libra. So it's ruling Uranus, and it's also ruling the South Node, which is asking somewhat mm -hmm. to look at, is it whose voice is that you're listening to, right? Yeah, or was it, is it an old tape of your own? It was mm -hmm. a value you mm -hmm. once held that you no longer do, but you've told yourself you value it. So you're holding, it's, it's an old story that you've outgrown. You've done the work to move past <sighs> it, and yet you're clinging on to that the that Libran dependency energy of the South Node potentially. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, several years ago, I wrote an article for the Mountain Astrologer called Reframing Squares and how to look at squares of it's holding the tension between the extremes of the archetypes, right? So yeah. that Venus Leo can't be super narcissistic and self-absorbed. It could be, but in the interaction with Uranus, it holds that in check. Yeah. Right, that 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 ring reins us back in from going into the extreme of that Venus Leo that could be very self-absorbed, um, and the Uranus and Taurus is like, wait, no, no, let's ground this, find a way to bring this into the body even, and not be so performative um, in how we're expressing what we want as well. Interesting thought. I'll just jump in to say that it's so absorbing. I don't think of. I suppose anything in the body is, yet it, with Uranus, it seems to be this strange outside experience. So at any rate, that was... Yeah, I, mean, I think but how our physical environment impacts mm -hmm. our physical body mm -hmm. so much, right? Absolutely. So that, I think, is how those two things intertwine, right? Is what we're around or even technology and how technology affects our physiology, right? That can be part of the Uranus Taurus piece that we're still in for a couple of years, aside from this current square. Yeah, and that Uranus and Taurus, you know, I think about that alchemical symbol of, of, of earth energy in and down, right? So I go immediately to the body as well, where it's like the old story is literally stuck in your cells. It is a somatic experience that has to, you know, Uranus is like waking up a mountain and, and what rises to the, to the top is all the bodies that are buried down there, of course, but then all the gems and the jewels as well that can be turned into resources later, so as Venus and Uranus come together and they're both direct, it's this first, to me, it feels like this funny dance of, yes, this is all so good, isn't it? <laughs> and then it's like, well, it's literally killing your body and you don't like that movie anyways, you know? Yeah. <laughs> is that what you want? <laughs> yeah. And so that's, you know, yeah, it, what kicked mm. off, you know, early July, right? Mm -hmm. When they were both direct for the first square this time around. Um, it is. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. And thank you, Stormy, for uh, dressing this out, uh, of expanding it. It, it, it. Yes, absolutely. So we know that it went retrograde, but ahead, and as you said, it says old love's coming back. I know I even pulled out my violin and played it. It felt so mm -hmm. good. You know, and it, or people that you think about, etc. cetera, what you've loved. 
that's true. But going ahead, it flips, as you said. And so we'll be, without looking at our other charts, but Venus knows forward what it's doing, but Uranus is going to be the one to go. And, it, and, and Venus was direct, but she was in the shadow on the 2nd of July. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it was Venus at 21 was like degrees, which was very much in the shadow of the retrograde. Um, yeah. So there is, but yeah, so then, and with any Venus retrograde, right? It's like, we're revisiting it. It's like, so what even people reflecting that are listening or watching, and so what happened on the 2nd that maybe had echoes around mm. mid early mid August, right? That even beyond sort of the more general, like Venus retrograde, oh, stuff from your past shows up people from your past or current people in your life echoing relationship patterns you've had before. Mm-hmm. But that even just more directly, like early July, early August, repeated things happening. Um, yes. Of, of Also, I think there's a piece of declaring what's important to us, that that square. Like stormy. Up. Yes, right? absolutely. Instead of staying quiet, that the gift some, in some ways of that Leo is like really standing in the power of that Venus Leo of like, no, this is what's important to me. And well, manifestation. It, it, thank you. I hope I'm not interrupting you here, but I'm just supporting that manifestation occurs when we feel. It's not just a thinking process. It's very somatic, you might say, but it's an entire embodiment of feeling something. And so getting that consciousness, it, it's absolutely realizing that that's what all this energy is about, to get the consciousness aware of it so that we can make these choices and start reflecting our life in, in a pattern or in a story that responds to how we feel we're aligned rather than than not. What's curious for me, of course, it's ahead, will be when Venus is direct and Uranus is retrograde in less than a month. Do you have some quick thoughts about that? Or shall we just wait and see as the the chart comes up? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I do just think that it's interesting. And like before we jump to that, thinking about the fact that um, Venus was in the the retro and Uranus is direct and actually flashing back to 2015 when we were in the Venus retrograde, that portion of the pattern, because I do think that there is a real sense of urgency to understand that it's not just forward motion here. Like if we don't go back and see what our thinking, our belief structure, our behavior patterns were in the past that put us in the positions that we are in that now need to have freedom around them, we can't really move. You know, it seems like that would be a real challenge. And the other thing that Uranus Um, against Venus retrograde, I think brings to the surface is a lot of forgiveness for ourselves and to understand that when we were here before, we did maybe the best that we could. And now we are working with a different value system and a different level of urgency for freedom that enables us and empowers us to make some different decisions. And the world is different. You know, the world is different with the small touch of Pluto into Aquarius, just opposite that Leo energy, I think all of us went, oh, we're going in a different direction, whether we're ready or not. And that means 
you know, I got to look back and see what choices I've made so I can make some different ones so that I can also fit into the world that is forming and bring my skills and my talents out that I've had forever into a world that is now ready for them. So there's some real looking back, I think, that's been important here. Thank you. That's well, you're both presenting a perfect picture. That urgency for freedom, when you coined that, I thought, ah, now I understand. Because, yes, that does put it together. Laura, shall I go on? Yeah. Go um, yeah, we can look at some of the slides. But I also think, yeah, and unpacking, like, so then what do we even, how does somebody define freedom? Right, because that's defined very differently by different people. Right, there's mm -hmm. there's autonomy and sovereignty. That's one form of freedom, right? Mm -hmm. And and so where and how we respond to people wanting that autonomy and freedom, right? Or and I think that may be part of what we're seeing play out with this particular cycle of it, with the, where the nodes are in mm -hmm. terms of self and other, right? And if I have freedom and I have sovereignty, but my partner wants connection. How do we maintain our sovereignty and partnership? How do we maintain our freedom and our interconnectedness? Right. I mean, that's definitely part of I think that Pluto Leo, Pluto uh, Aquarius energy that we're moving into, right? Is maintaining interconnection at the same time that we don't homogenize, right? It's part of I think just in general the age of Aquarius that we're moving into, right? It's maintaining individuality and interconnection simultaneously. Yeah, which is really interesting to watch it in a, in the in the flip side of some of the social things, at least that I've seen, where it's like, you know, at least in the United States, very much so this concept of I am I'm, I'm an independent woman and I'm working and I can do these things and these are things that my family members and different generations fought for, right? And we have that. And, and the kind of the flip to that <laughs> seems to be women in their, you know, 35 to 40 being like, I actually kind of just want to stay at home and I'm cool if my husband works. Like, so it's like the traditional thing is like the out, out of the box thing. Right. So it's really funny to go, okay, well, whose value system were you working with? But also, I don't know if you guys can agree with me, but age is a very inspiring and humbling thing where you go, oh, hell, listen. <laughs> okay. What I thought when I was 20 ain't working. I don't like that. You know, so it's <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting to watch it. <laughs> well, Libra is the pendulum. You know, it goes between the extremes. It's how it understands and compares. So when you bring that up, I think to myself, well, that's actually making sense because the nodes, as we know, just for a couple about this since July entered mid-July, entered. Aries and Libra. They had been in relationship granted signs, Taurus and Scorpio, but not quite the same. It's unilateral, every relationship that we consider as in self and other, you know, as a Aries. Yeah, and, and very different energies, right? Even though Venus is present with nodes in both instances, it's the North mm -hmm. Node. It was the North Node, now it's the South Node, right? So it's also, again, the past. How have we... And... And is part of what's having the freedom, like the freedom to say, like, no, what is my freedom is to choose to be a stay-at-home mother. That's this right. empowered choice as opposed to, wait, no, no, didn't you read The Feminine Mystique? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I suppose that does also get into whose voice are we listening to? 
you know, mm -hmm. if it's how we feel about something. And with this particular slide, it does bring up the idea of Venus because Venus is squaring Uranus and Venus has been for four months, will be in Leo, which has everything to do with children, such as that great example that you said, Stormy, and that you're talking about, Laura, here. But it, it goes, sometimes it's an evening star, which it left, and then it is invisible. And, you know, we can't see it from Earth for 40 days. And then it emerges, which it did August 22nd, as the morning star. Cultures called it different names. That's why I have the Mayan in Central America, the Mexico area, but before the Aztecs called it Kukulkan. And it was very strong. I mean, it was their major star because it's the biggest planet. You can see it. It's so bright in the sky. I just saw it this morning. And also in us, the yeah. ancients. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So well, I'm just bringing She's not the biggest. She's just so, she's the closest, closest to, us. to us. Well, she's the brightest. Yes, thank yeah. you very much. I, I'm trying to get too fast my thought. But the point that I'm making is, is that it is this descent this mythological descent. So as we're really struggling with going down deep into what our crevices of our hearts want, it is this natural mythological story of Inanna from the ancients. And along with Mayan, you know, similar thoughts, different stories, different places, but where she needs to submerge and release what was powerful and then return, emerge again. And that's what we're rebirthing. Which I yeah, think I mean, it's that yeah. inner work, right? Which is part of what retrogrades are about in general is the energy is falling back on itself. So it's this inner, what do I want? Not what values am I projecting out to the world? What do I need? And that's mm -hmm. part of that descent, part of that, you know, dark night of the soul to some extent with when she's invisible is really, you know, you can think of it as like when she becomes morning starts a rebirth. Right? Yes. Going into the cave, it's exploring our unconscious, which is where we were for several weeks. And then that reemergence of, okay, now that she's being visible again, how do I express what I value? And yet we're still in that retrograde. We're still in this square with this upcoming square of, oh, okay, maybe there's still more I need to let go of. Maybe there's still things I thought that didn't quite get clear yet that is part mm. of what's coming up at the end of the month is that honing of it, right? That that refining of what we've been playing with for the last three months, two months. Yeah, I love that. What, refining what we've been playing with because some gems rose to the surface as well. And that Venus and Leo, I think, has called some people out of, out of hiding that they have the skill and the talent to serve others with it you know, to be a bit bigger and bolder and say, no, you have that skill, you know, but you do have to go in the cave and sort out which one you would like to show the rest of us. <laughs> and the phase that you brought up right in the beginning of the gibbous phase, you know, and for those people learning astrology, the moon has this regular orbit, 28 day, 29 and a half of systematic quarter moon full moon, quarter moon, and it can be broken down further. But that phase relationship I love having brought up because, again, it is a process. Moons are processes. And 
I tend to, just like I was going to jump ahead and wonder about something, I happen to have Venus and Uranus joined at exactly the same degree. <laughs> so for them to separate and look at each other is like, oh, okay. Meaning that, you know, I what you're both talking about is revisiting. And of course, we have Mercury helping us in this process. It's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. That's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. So true. Yeah. We have a break and we'll be right back. But if you had something you wanted to tag on just before I go, I hate to say something and then just leave. Stormy or Laura, did you have something you wanted to tag? Okay. Yeah, we can come back. Well, then we will return. And I'm with Dr. Stormy Grace and Dr. Laura Tad. This is Talk Cosmos, September 3, Venus Square, Uranus. Well, we're dealing with values once again. Okay, we'll be right back. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the yin period of Virgo. By leaving a cycle based on the creative manifested legacy of our highest creative form, the energy of Virgo completes the last sign below the horizon of the self and requires discernment to perfect oneself through the mental process of critical analysis. As a mutable earth sign duly ruled by Mercury, Virgo refines heals, or fixes through daily routines, developing skills and services to control nature's chaos and maximize efficiency. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, we cover the world of animals. This week, it's best neuroenergetic balancing, energy codes, and Rasmussen Reset Sunday. Dr. Nels Rasmussen and Sister Linda Rasmussen will join us, and together they can help you or your animal friends with emotional, behavioral, or physical issues. So I hope you can join us and plan to call in for your free remote treatments. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or, if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So, grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha, and enjoy the show. Make it a great day. Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. Hi, we're back. And I always ask at this time our panelists, because you can get a hold of all panelists, well, we have our websites here and get lost. You can go to Talk Cosmos and find them under guests. But I know each of you are active. Stormy, in half a minute or so, what do you have going on right now? I know a lot. But do you have something you would like to bring up? You're muted still, Stormy. Oh, 
Oh but, yeah, I have a lot going on. I have Mercury and Gemini at the top of my chart. I'm always got something going on. Um, yes, I'm actually getting ready to launch a, a wonderful webinar coming up on September 23rd. If you'd like to join me, we're gonna be looking at the sweet spot of interdependence the moving away from codependency and hyper-independence of the uh, North Node in Aries and the South Node in Libra. So looking at where where is the sweet spot? And there's a workbook that comes with it. It's going to be, you know, I want to say it's going to be a lot of fun, <laughs> but I think it's going to be a lot of reflection is honestly what it is built to do. So we'll have a nice three-hour webinar, reflection, working together, looking at those nodes and finding the sweet spot. So yeah, more information at stormygrace.com. Beautiful. That is right on target, isn't it? Hmm. Our nodes. Thank you. And Laura, how? Um, so I brought up last month. So the uh, retreat that I co-led last February, I'm doing again. So that'll be in Nicaragua at the um, 10th through the 17th of February. And there, it's still, some of the details are still being worked out. So it's not yet on my website, but that is coming up. It's a combination of yoga and meditation and astrology. And you're right on the beach last year or this year, you know, it was just during the Venus Jupiter conjunction. So we got to watch them get closer and closer every night because there's zero light pollution because we're right on the water. Um, and I'm also re- configuring the personal myth class that I have and that Sue, you took a couple years mm -hmm. ago. So that should be relaunched this fall. Um, and that explores some of the stories that we walk with and carry both, you know, looking at family stories, what are our stories about success and marriage and, and partnership and health that are stories we've inherited and learning how to rewrite them so that we can let go of maladaptive myths, right? Those stories that don't serve us. Beautiful. Um, so that's going to be relaunched this fall. Uh, excellent. Mm. People are, that's wonderful. So for both mythicsky.com or stormygrace.com and for Talk Cosmos, next week we have our new moon that we view it through metaphysical symbols, the Sabian symbols, numerology, tarot, and then we combine it all into this synth. Uh, synthesizing into its story or a vision story because it's always a reseed reset and then quarterly the next week will be vibrational astrology with linda berry and richard smoot and that is on a quarterly what is the equinox presenting as a message for the next season it's very illuminative thank you so back to our slides and our presentation with wondering about where Venus is taking us. Let's look at the chart and that's what we'll do. Here we have the one on the second. Mm -hmm. It was for Eastern time at 10.33 in the morning, a.m., 19 seconds. Both were direct and they were in Leo, 21 degrees. 46 minutes and it's a fixed square i don't know how long we want to talk we'll talk about all three of these charts so if you want me to go ahead to the next or something sooner than i do let me know we can work on this collectively so oh rats there it went let's go back i mean interestingly mm -hmm. looking so this particular one included, right, Mars was conjunct Venus. For yes. That. That's, the first one, that. right? yep. That's sort of the We're first thing. That that <laughs> um, oh. and, and so that's part of, 
part of this particular one, right? And so that can create a more, a greater sense of urgency, right? Mars always sort of likes to do things quickly. And that Aries energy of shoot, fire, aim, as Rick Levine always describes Aries <laughs> as. Um, and yeah, so of this call to change what we value, but feeling like getting ahead of ourselves, almost like tripping over our own feet could have been some of the energy, I think, with that first one because of the addition of the Mars energy. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, well, and we've got um, rested on there as well. So, you know, kind of was this uh, this symbol of like what we're going to take on and this idea that it's like, really, we've talked about it a little bit already, but like, is this my idea or is this your idea? Mm -hmm. what what is what is sacred to me you know mm -hmm. which is really it's just such a big question because i think when we look at the inflammation of mars being there with this this question of honestly it's not superficial it's this these beliefs make me whole i get life force energy from them and when i separate from them there has to be good reason because I'm going to decide to get another flow or force of life to get connected with, you know, and this can look, I think at this particular time, many people will speak to the relationship things, which is like, why are we in this relationship? Am I, am I honestly here to be all the way in to be of service to this relationship? Mm -hmm. Or am I here because my resources won't allow me to leave you? And that is a very different experience but you know this is also the first hit we get <laughs> we get a couple to work it out but certainly i think that that mars connection there is really helping do a little bit of that inflammation yes inflaming the household a little bit mm -hmm. i'll add that they both rule the nodes the new nodes which happen to be uh Aries in Libra and in vibrational astrology, the little I've learned, which is very succinct, but telling is that when they are together, it's tactile because Mars wants action. Venus wants beauty and they need to do something tactile together. So it's mm -hmm. sort of hands on talk about somatic, you know, particularly with the, the body that we were talking about. As far as events, Laura, you brought this up. Mm -hmm. And not to go, we have other charts, but this is so powerful because Leo, of course, is everything to do with theater and the stage and they went on, SAG went on strike. So yeah. Well, and so, and then the Writers Guild going on strike in May and they're still striking mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. um, the last time Venus was retrograde in Leo, SAG struck two months after Venus went direct the last Venus retrograde in Leo, mm -hmm. right? So the, it's very, I think, tied into this, right? The, and SAG hasn't struck in a, simultaneously with the Writers Guild in a very long time. Um, but yeah, I think that that's part of this, particularly with the Leonian piece of it. Yes, that's the performance, right? Leo loves to be on stage, but so much of what SAG is striking about is maintaining identity mm. that what the networks and the production companies want to do for anybody who's an extra is own their likeness so they can hire them for one scene and use their image in perpetuity and never pay them again 
it totally changes the entire scope of what we think of as our creative media. And it's not just the United States now, we know India, all around the world, there's a, it's a tremendous industry, but it's more than an industry, it's our imagery. It's how we really mm -hmm. connect and learn and express and it's dynamic. It, the yeah, story I mean, it gets written. so layered with what this then happens because then that changes representation, that changes what we think yeah, of as yeah. people, right? And and that so a lot of actors, their way into the industry was teeny roles, was being an extra, right? Like there's the lore, but it's true. It's like, it's how Brad Pitt started his career. Amazing. As an extra. Yeah. And what it makes me think too is here in the United States, well, I'm here in the United States, but the point is we have icon, iconic people. We have sports people and we have the theater people, the movie people, whatever, however we want to define that. and. If we were to change, there was some thought I had read where it will be where anybody can make a great movie, what with AI happening, et cetera. Meaning, I guess we won't have those icons. I don't know what the next one will be. I hope it's a tree and a bear, something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it's yeah, interesting it though, to see. But, oh, go ahead, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it's, in, it's interesting to consider this in, in light of the Uranus and Taurus, because we also have access now to anybody can have their own show. So anybody yes. can be a star. So it means that nobody's a star, you know, so it's really this other kind of thing of, you know, I do think that this part of this interaction is like, okay, because anybody can be a star and anybody can become popular, where where is the quality, self-expression. And, and what does that mean for you? You know, because somebody can be very big in one industry or one area, and I don't have any interest in that. So I'm not going to know them. So it's really having to discern in your industry or in your area that you're looking for, what is valuable content? What is valuable um, expressions of self? Yeah. 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 And I, I'm sorry, I spoke incorrectly. I said best I meant Paulus. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I, I, in the chart. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is more of that sort of Mars energy, right? That, that going ahead, right? I mean, that's even the myths is like Mars was not really the god, or as Aries, right? It's like Athena was the goddess of war. She told him where to go and he just went. Strategy was not. Strategy, she was right? the strategist. Strategy. Yeah. Yeah. The wisdom. Right? So yeah. The, and yeah, so I think with that, like being strategic in how we unpack our values, right? It's not just like throw it all up in the air and see what lands, right? I think that it there can be some strategy as we redefine what's important to us. And there were how we come to conclusions. Yes, and not to go into these greatly because, but really, it is amazing to realize that with Leo. There's leadership, children with Venus, there's resources and money besides values. And with Uranus, the earth, because it's in Taurus, mm -hmm. Taurus really. But there were so many indications, and I do want to go on, but there was the hottest day in record. And then there were floods, and Ukraine got money mm -hmm. from South Korea, which seems sort of surprising to me. And then, of course, uh, Biden's loan was... Uh, blocked which, oh, the, for the student loans. Yeah. So there's, which has to do with children and money. So 
I think we'll, unless you want to comment, I think we'll go on to the second one in mm-hmm. August, mm-hmm. a month later, when Venus was stationary retrograde Retrograde. yeah retrograde yeah and the the um moon phase at this time is the last quarter it is a turning away from right we are turning away from or or at this particular point the way that i like to talk about the last quarter phase of the moon is when we begin to give ourselves permission to let things take a back seat or to move more slowly as we orient to them over and over and over again it's like i have to try it a little bit and then I need to back out and see if that is the right approach and that sits with me. And if not, I need to let it go and reorient to the situation. Mm -hmm. Plus this is also a time if we look, there's a lot of information flying around because Mercury is in domicile. (laughs) So Mercury is living its best bringing information inflamed by Mars life. There's a lot of information to take Mm -hmm. on at this time. And with Mars, <laughs> suddenly Mars is now aligned with, it's like more, more, let's get, let's find this out. Let's find that out. But yeah. let's synthesize it. It's a big job to discern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is true. Well, the, the events that came up at this time, particularly being here in Hawaii, was Lahaina mm-hmm. Maui wildfire, which was reportedly largest there's many tragedies that we're aware of all over but it is most amazing in many respects i was thinking lahaina was first built as well okay it was the royal capital for the hawaiian uh, uh, people indigenous people yeah yeah for the hawaiians but yet in it was late 1700s that those buildings began and I'm thinking that's with the United States, meaning that at this point, one of the cries or the, 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 the values that are coming out from that fire, because I get it on the news every night, is that people, there's a tremendous amount of support so that people will not have to sell their property to big developers, that there's a huge movement to help everybody keep their property. And I thought, isn't that different than the United States that took the American Native Indians property for beads in New York? And as we know, so many other sad tales, but it's this new sense of identity that is our land and we're going to incorporate, talk about interdependence with the tourists, but yet I satisfy the local person that can have a place to live. So it's a long process. The story is not out. But the good news on this is that the banyan tree, which everybody loved, 150 years old, is going to make it. You know, it was severely damaged, but it had a lot of nurturing, deep work. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting that even on your slide here, you're talking about how the arborists, the landscaper and volunteers have come together to take care of this. And I think that that is, again, some more of that symbology of Uranus and Taurus, where it shook up these gems because in a hyper luxury state, which is where 
you know, the internet has a lot of American people where it's like, oh, it has to be luxury. It has to be the best. I have to look like this. We have, I think in a sense or in a way gotten away from, yeah, but what skill or vocation do you actually have that is useful besides lip gloss? Now, do you make lip gloss or you just wear lip gloss? Like what is your jam that you do? And this is a big question because as the world changes, Pluto and Aquarius, and we, we've left the portal, we're going forward. How do we stay human and band together to actually be resources to one another? And that's where I think that Uranus rose those skills and those talents and the natural callings from each of us to the surface to tend to our vocations because they are and will be valuable to take care of each other again. You know, so this is a really beautiful representation of that, I think. I mean, I don't love that there was a fire, to be clear. No, but right. But but again, out of like Venus, just before I know you have something on your thoughts, Laura, but Venus going down underneath, hidden, just like Anana mm-hmm. that had to take off her different possessions and then hang mm-hmm. on a hook until she was rescued and brought back up to reframe herself as a goddess, not just as a, you know, a whole new definition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, potentially this, an empowerment, as you're talking about, hopefully, mm-hmm. of the people, right? I mean, I, years ago, was on Maui and, you know, and struggled a lot with how I felt like the, particularly the, you know, the indigenous were it, the exploitation, right? There's the locals and then there's the indigenous, right? There are sort of two different, mm-hmm. there's people that are local mm-hmm. that are not, that are people that moved versus the the indigenous community and and so hopefully you know there's enough it's interesting with technology right one of the gifts of technology is that and that maybe cycle circles back to what you were saying stormy in terms of everybody can create content right is that people are getting the story out they don't have to go through a news outlet to say no this is what was really happening i was fleeing with my family they don't have to wait to be interviewed by some reporter and make national news they record it, it goes on IG and it's viral and the whole world knows their story, right? And so some of the gift of that is, and then and then the movement of people, I mean, I've seen lots of posts, people talking about big developers wanting to come in and just mm-hmm. buy the town basically and the outcry of that, right? And that's only, mm-hmm. I think, because of social media that that's even getting attention. Yeah. Right. Then and, the news outlets have to pay attention and, to it because there's too much being reported without them for them to stay silent on it. It does paraphrase very well what is sacred to me. And I think this is a representation. But as that retrograde, because even now as we're speaking, I haven't quite checked, but I think Venus is direct, you know, and instead we have Jupiter. Next with the next one, she's she's like actively stating the moment. Because I was getting all mixed up there in the beginning, but it's Jupiter. Here we are. We have about five minutes, and we can go back and forth however you want. But at the end of the month, there's the third set, you know, where it started direct, now retrograde. But this time, as we say, Venus is still direct, and Uranus is retrograde. But it, I hope you see the whole thing there. Maybe it's just my screen. But there's a lot of dynamics happening. 
Oh, yeah. Well, and it's back in a gibbous phase. So we're we're back essentially in an energy that we started with. So hopefully with some of the questions answered. But the other thing I like about the gibbous phase is that it is a great time to become an apprentice of whatever you need to bring into your life, whatever you need to make sure that your life has value in the end. So we're kind of, you know, returning to this love that Pluto, because Pluto, I think is very specific at this time, too. It's like, you can't control that. So what are you going to (laughs) do? What's your workaround for that? But more importantly, you know, looking at this particular one, I love that Venus is there with Juno. It's like the love of your life at this point. You, you, it's like I have acquired something. I have seen. I have felt. I have been inspired to build my empire. I have been inspired to think about how what I do can be helpful to inspire someone else to build their empire. And it's a very bright placement, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm emboldened i'm waiting for laura to jump i'm thinking to myself oh gosh i've had this on my mind and that on my mind maybe keep going don't stop now and so often you go like oh my gosh but you know it's like climbing a tree yeah well and i think like that <laughs> juno you know i think oftentimes only part of juno's story gets told right yeah. that, yes she is linked with marriage and partnership but she's also her old story is she is part of the triple goddess again going back to the sovereignty of the feminine right and so how to be in partnership and maintain your identity not lose yourself in your relationship you can have a relationship that is you know that your identity in the relationship and your identity that is outside of that and who you are as a individual whether male or female right that maintaining your identity and your your autonomy um, I've always heard, and that's part of that that Juno energy. That's who she. Mm, the reason yeah. she was so angry is because that was being usurped from her. That's well, why she is associated with jealousy. Is she was like, no, no, this isn't what I signed up for. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and actually, I've heard her reframed also in a very beautiful light. That is our alliances. So it very much relates to mm-hmm. Venus. It's like, mm-hmm. what am I in alignment for? Which is supporting what you're saying too, Laura, is, is that this is what I'm aligned to and it has been betrayed perhaps. But looking at the growth of this, I really do like that idea of, of building. I'm thinking both of your webinars coming up are going to be right in alignment with people figuring out interdependency which is a theme for the next. And that playful, hopefully with the, you know, letting it be that playful Leo energy. Yeah. Like, yes, Leo is intense Mm. and it's powerful. It's also our inner child. That's the healthy, not the like inner child archetype that maybe needs a lot of healing, but they're the playful part of ourselves and letting that come out as well. Absolutely. That is so beautiful because we'll have Venus and Leo for quite some time. Thank you most Venusian wonderful guests, people, Stormy, Dr. Stormy, uh, not Grace, and Dr. Laura Tad. It's been a real treat. And I just thank you so much. And to our audience, thank you. Do sign up. And we'll go ahead. You have closing moments. We can talk in the music. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'll see you next month.
Yeah, and I'll see you at the webinar, hopefully, or on YouTube. Yes, indeed. I'm so glad to have this conference of how to find our sacred time with our heart. Yes, it speaks. Okay, blessings. Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway. 